Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000. Digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their businesses. Today, our courageous uh, entrepreneur guest is Mark Sanburn. And now, Mark, man, I'm excited to have you on the show. You're one of uh, Larry Winget's closest pals. Uh, you were just talking about how you guys are doing the whole bourbon weekend this weekend out there in uh, Arizona. Now, Mark is an international best-selling author and noted expert on leadership, team building, customer service, and change. He's created and appeared in 20-plus videos on numerous audio trainings. And I like this, Mark. I mean, one of your video series uh, is rated the number two spot for the best-selling educational video series in the United States of America. That is a huge success, huge win. Mark's list of over 2,600 clients include Costco, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, FedEx, Harley-Davidson's, all the big players. Mark is that guy. You rub shoulders with the biggest and the best. He's had a long career at it, and he's going to drop a ton of wisdom bombs on you, Startup Nation. So, Mark, with that, go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, thanks. Yeah, great to be with you. I'm just a guy that's uh, been fortunate to uh, have hard work and persistence pay off. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's the formula for anyone in any area of success. You know, we like to look for the, the magic uh, recipe or the silver bullet or uh, something that will do it for us. But I, I think that the most important thing we should all come to terms with is that we have to do the hard work. Uh, there's no way around that. There are a lot of people out there now that are making a lot of money telling you you don't have to work very hard and that it's easy and all you have to do is take their $99 course online. And uh, I don't uh, necessarily agree with them, uh, but I acknowledge their existence. The reality is I grew up on a farm, so probably the biggest, there, there were two gifts that I was given at a very early age, not because I deserved them or asked for them, but because I was in the right spot at the right time. Uh, the first is my, my dad taught me always spend less than you make. And as simple as that sounds, that is the foundation of all financial success in any business, uh, in any life. Uh, we live in an age where we are uh, encouraged to leverage what we make. So if we make two, we spend 10. And eventually leverage catches up to you. So I you know, had a very good foundation in, in business finance from my father who taught me that. The second thing I learned is that uh, for me as a kid, work was not an option. I have two kids now. My oldest son is 20. My youngest is 17. And I used to ask them to do things, you know, to take out the garbage or to clean their room or to make their beds. And it dawned on me one day that growing up, nobody ever asked me if I wanted to milk cows, bale hay, or uh, do any of those things, clean the barn. And I, I realized uh, work was an expectation. And although at the time, I'm sure I wasn't bragging to my friends at school, boy, I'm having so much fun doing all this hard work. I, I grew up with this sense that Work was something that you did. It was not something you chose, but work chose you. So those two things were really great preparation for when I finally started my own business uh, at the age, uh, ripe old age of 27 as a speaker and an author and awesome. uh, in the various uh, enterprises I've been involved with since. You know, Mark, it's like you said, it sounds so simple, but those two ingredients is what so many people are missing right now. Right. And, and Startup Nation, listen to what Mark said. You know, he's literally three minutes, three minutes into this interview and he's wisdom bomb dropping right on you. It's like 
you got to do the hard work and it's called work for a reason as Larry Winger would say, right? It's yeah. like, it wasn't optional. It was mandatory in past generations. You, you want to live in this house and grow up in this world. You do work. And it's like, we have all uh, millennials that are just like work. No, I, I want to make the million. I want the reward without the work. And it's like, that's just not reality. So Mark, go ahead and take a minute and share with us something personal uh, about you that very few people in your business life know. Well, I don't know. I think a fair number of people know, but only because I've been pretty honest about the fact that, you know, even though I grew up with loving parents on a farm, I was a fat kid who had no athletic ability and did well in school. And if you think back, that's kind of a trifecta for getting beat up a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, not have this because I wasn't the jock. I wasn't the, the good looking kid. Uh, and, and really in a funny way, doing well in school just kind of poured fuel on the nerd fire. We didn't have the word nerd back then. I'm old enough that, you know, some, most of the words we use today didn't exist. What but, did they call you back then? Uh, <laughs> what was the one that bothered you most? Oh, you know, one, I'll tell you what was really pathetic is my mother got me a pair of boots to wear to school when I was in like second grade and they had a yellow reflector piece of tape on them, you know, idea the idea being if you were walking alongside the road you wouldn't get run over and and i remember you know these many years later they called me pretty boots and it's pretty like boots. just there's a good example kids will find something to yes. to make fun of no matter what they're given kids are very and adults are too you know i i always say we all get bigger but we never grow up mm -hmm. you know, we often deal with the same insecurities the same vices that we had as kids but we get to wear nicer clothes and drive cars so you know, that really was important to me because I think one of the things that we sometimes forget is that, uh, you know, that's a great driver to be successful is to disprove the, the critics, right? Mm. I, I did become, uh, I, I never became uh, a world-class athlete, but uh, I took up running and uh, I became physically fit and I lettered in, in high school and uh, I, I went on to, to do a lot of kind of physical things. You know, I'm an expert skier at least I was before my knees uh, decided to quit cooperating with the rest of my body and 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 I only say that not to brag because frankly your listeners could give a flying fafala but because you really should take the pain in your life and and don't use it for pity use it for power you know take the pain and go wow you know I'm gonna work I'm gonna bust my ass and tell and show people that I wasn't you know this abject loser just because my hand-eye coordination sucks or just because you know I grew up in a family where everybody on the farm was a big person and that's not a blame that's just fact you know and I, I decided later I could I could choose to be who I wanted to be and that that to me is so important um, nothing one of my favorite quotes now in my speeches is from the guy who founded uh, Lagunitas Brewing and I'm a big beer geek I, I really love beer and Tony McGee said uh, in his book, and it's one of the coolest quotes I've run across in the last year, he said, you are what you did. Think about that. You can summarize any life by just going back and look at all the things you did, not all the things you thought that was important, but what you did has made you who you are. And, and I always tell people, if that's true, and I believe it is, then you become what you do. You know, I, I, I write, I've written, you know, eight books or, or more. But the point is, if I had to boil it all down, you, you are what you did. That's past tense. And uh, you become, uh, you are what you did and you become what you do. So if, if you're tired of being, you know, fill in the blank, you know, overweight, drinking too much, uh, lazy, 
you choose differently. And, and that's not to any way suggest that it's easy. You know, easy and simple are two different things. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if one of my pals like Winget or Callaway talked about that. You know, it's one thing to know it, uh, but it's a much harder thing to do it. So uh, the other thing that drove me is, is I've really always been a little bit miffed by speakers and authors who, who don't tell the truth or bend the truth or make stuff up. Mm. And so veracity and accuracy are important to me. Um, you know, I uh, and, and I, I say that this may not be psychologically healthy, but I think sometimes contempt can be a great motivator. I have, I have a fair amount of contempt for people who are willing to not do the hard work of thinking and to mm. take shortcuts to, to meet their goals at the expense of others. So there's a kind of a rambling uh, stream of consciousness about uh, kind of my, my underlying philosophy uh, and strategy for, for success. I, I really like that you went there. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge you, right, for getting real, getting raw, getting vulnerable up front. Uh, because that, what you just described to, our, to us as we're listening right now, Mark, is your source of your power. Right. And, and you kind of created your origin story. And I think that's super powerful. And Startup Nation, listen to what Mark said. Don't use your pain for pity. Use your pain for power. And if you've had a broken upbringing, a broken childhood, that, hey, like, thank God for that. Like, you are now more powerful than most. Right. You have a source, a reservoir of power that you can use to launch you where you want to go to do the things that people told you you haven't been able to do. So Mark, thank you for going there. I really appreciate that. And the, uh, the contempt I would call um, healthy anger. When you, have, <laughs> when you have contempt for unrighteousness, right? I think it's, it's a fine point, but I think it's about love the, love the sinner, but hate the sin, you know, you got it. contempt for what people do that, short changes others first and then themselves. So I, yeah, I don't think that that's uh, yeah, I, you know, Jesus in the temple turned over a few tables because he wasn't real keen on the way they were subverting uh, a place of worship. That's right. Healthy anger, man. And when everybody liked it, right? Well, I mean, not the people with the table. <laughs> not, <right? yeah>. not <laughs> the people whose tables got trashed, but. All right, Mark, uh, this is a business entrepreneurship show. So let's get down to business. Um, our audience loves to know about approximately uh, range, whatever you want to uh, share, how much revenue did your business bring in in the last 12 months? Oh, yeah. Let's just say low, low seven figures. So. That would be, uh, I, I don't like to disclose too precisely. And frankly, oh, you know, I, was, uh, I go back to something that uh, Theodore uh, uh, Roosevelt, I believe, is credited with having said. He said that uh, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And the, the best thing to compare against is, uh, by the way, if you compare against somebody else, one of the things that you should keep in mind is, is you can only accurately compare against somebody else if you have the same life and or circumstances that they have correct and which so is almost impossible you don't yeah you don't just get the good stuff you get you get the totality of it um so i always say compare against what you're capable of your your capabilities or, or your potential versus your competitors now there is some benefit to comparing against competitors because really uh there there are you know some some standards we should watch as business people, you know, sales per employee is very important. Uh, cost to sale, uh, conversion rate, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, 
so I, I would say um, the, the question isn't, uh, you know, how much are you making, but how much could you be making if you were better at what you were doing? Gotcha. And with that leading question that you just set up, I'm going to take it. Um, how much could you be making or on track to make in the next 12 months based on what you're capable of? Well, one of the things I, uh, I, I use two primary metrics in my business. One is how much money I want to make. And the second is what I want to do to make it. And Got so it. I kind of reverse engineer. And, and what I do is, is to meet my financial goals each year. I, first of all, uh, look at what kind of activity level, and for me as a speaker, is primarily what kind of activity level I want to put in on the road. Uh, and so that is about 50 engagements a year, paid engagements. Uh, there is um, uh, another um, bit of road work that goes, you know, pro bono ministry, association work, leadership. You know what, can we, let's pause right here. I have a very odd thing going on. So I basically use two metrics. One is activity and the other is revenue. And it's pretty simple, but it's a, an effective way to keep a, a semblance of control in your life. I say to myself, what do I want my revenue to be this year? And then I divide that by the number of activities that it takes to create that revenue. For instance, uh, I like to do about 50 paid speeches a year. And I won't digress why that is. That's not just a preference level, I believe in short that is the level that I need to be in front of audiences to continue to generate interest in my work. So if I want to make X number of dollars, then I divide by 50 and it'll give me an idea of what I need to be uh, grossing or netting for each of my speaking engagements. So I always look at that intersection between how much work or how much activity uh, or effort I want to put in and how much money I want to make. Now there are obviously other things that create revenue. So I have to look at writing, I have to look at royalties, I have to look at product sales, I have to look at consulting and advising, I have to look at the other businesses I'm a partner in. But basically, the one thing that I don't want to do is A, overcommit to things that I either don't like doing or don't do well. And let me just pause there for a minute. When you start your business, I'm a big believer that in the beginning, long-term success requires short-term imbalance. Don't buy into this idea that you can be love wonderfully and, and peacefully serene as you build a business. There will be periods, there will be jags where you will work nonstop. I, I spent 248 days on the road the first year I was in business for myself. That's a lot of travel. Now, 30 plus years later, I don't want to spend 248 years on the 48 days, 48 years. Yeah, it seemed like 248 years. So, so what I tell people is, the problem isn't being imbalanced. The problem is when imbalance becomes a long-term trend. If after 10 years, you're still as frantic as you were in year one, you're not doing something right. You don't have a process or you don't have a system. So number one, I don't ever want to be doing what I either don't like to do or I'm not good at. And number two, I, I like the latitude to do things that aren't necessarily monetarily profitable, but are intellectually or relationally or experientially profitable. I think too often um, we look at wealth in, in just monetary numbers, but often the experiences that I had, bungee jumping in Australia, diving the barrier reef, extreme skiing, all of those things in the early part of my career fed my business because I talked about them, I wrote about them. They were fodder, if you will, for what I did on the stage and what I did in my books. And then finally, number three, uh, we don't control 
what happens with the Fed and the lending rate and the economy and, and the global markets, but we do control how hard we work. And that's always been the number one dial on my dashboard. Some years you're gonna to have to work a little harder, other years you're going to be blessed by returns in excess of the effort that you put in. But again, to go back to kind of my basic formula, what are my revenue goals? What are my activity goals? And then I reverse engineer from there. Love it. Thank you for breaking that down because I think that's really helpful, Mark, for a lot of us entrepreneurs. Now, let me ask you this, and I think you got into it a little bit, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So let me ask you this question I love. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100K? Well, there are a few things, and, and I will kind of try to put them in what I think is rank order. And again, because of my relationship with uh, Joe Calloway and Larry Wingett, uh, what we call the, the five friends or the bourbon heirs, uh, our thinking is somewhat, I think, crystallized as a group as well as individuals. So you might hear some references they brought up. But I think, first of all, it's, it's clarity. It's being really clear on what is it that you do, uh, why do you do it, and who will pay you to do it. Uh, if you aren't crystal clear on that, you know, you might do something that's profitable, but you don't have a compelling reason to do it. So every time you, you, you hit an obstacle or a speed bump, you quit. You just don't have the, the, the tenacity because you have no compelling reason. Uh, if you're not clear, your customer isn't clear on what you offer. I, I can't tell you how many times I sit through a presentation at the end. I have no idea what the guy's trying to sell me or the gal's trying to sell me. And I, you should never have your customer go, well, what is it exactly that you do? Kiss of death. It should be very clear what you do, and it should be focused on how what you do benefits them. It's not my speech. It's how it benefits the audience. It's not my book. It's how it benefits the reader. It's not my consulting. It's how it benefits the, the person who's paid for the consulting. So the first is clarity. Uh, what is it you do? Why do you do it? And who will pay you? Because, by the way, if you have a really uh, a strong purpose, whether it's philanthropy or faith, uh, you may never get paid for it, and it becomes a ministry. And there's nothing wrong with that. But don't ever try to turn a ministry into a business when there isn't someone. I go back 30 years ago to a, a buddy of mine who was single at the time and used to throw um, singles potluck dinners. You know, pot, I don't know, we still do potluck dinners. Everybody brings a side dish, right? And uh, the guy became kind of an expert on how to organize potluck dinners for single people specifically who had kids. So this guy had a target market, right? Uh, you know, moms and dads, single parents with kids, they'd get together, potluck dinner. Why, why did he do it? First of all, he did it to meet women. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. He had an but he had a compelling reason. He was a single dad and he wanted to meet women. Number two, he did it as kind of a ministry because he was a person of faith and he wanted like-minded people to meet. But the reason that I bring him up and if you're listening, you should be going, you know, what is this about? Is because if he had said to me, hey, Mark, I want to build my career as the expert on single, pot, single parent potluck dinners, I would have said to my friend, that's not a business, that's a ministry. Because you're not going to find enough single parents to pay you enough money. They might buy a, a book, they might download a free PDF, but this is not going to be a uh, tens, hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars business. It was a ministry. And so many people come to me and they go, you know, I've got this thing I really love to do. And how do I get paid for it? And I ask them this question. Well, who will pay you? 
And if they can't identify a, a paying market, they don't have a target market. And again, I don't like to just tell people don't do it. Do it as a ministry, do it as a philanthropy, do it as, as charity, do it as civic responsibility, but don't confuse the two. So clarity is number one. I think then number two is, we, we alluded to it at the very beginning, is doing the hard work. Uh, you know, you, you can have a personal trainer, but you can still be, uh, you know, a, a weak and out of shape person if you aren't following the program. You can have a, a nutritionist or a dietitian, and you can still, you know, not lose weight if you don't do the work. So the question I always ask people is, you know, in, in one of my books, I call it your MVP activities of all the things you could do any given day of the week. What are the three to four most valuable and profitable activities? that will give you the biggest payback on your investment of time and energy. So you, you have the clarity of here's my business, here's what I do. What are the, the three or four things, not the 188 stupid things, you know, the little things, but what are the three or four things that you can do today that will give you the biggest payback on your investment of time and energy? And one of them is almost always getting in front of somebody, whether it's by the internet or in person or on the phone, getting in front of somebody who can benefit from your product and will give you money for it. That's why salespeople fail. The average salesperson, I don't know how, what the current data is, but years ago when I did a lot of sales training, about 10 to 12% of every day was spent selling. The rest of the day was spent preparing, following up, thinking about it, putting it off. Well, if you're only spending you know, one out of 10 hours in front of a customer, you're not going to have many sales. Double that to two out of 10 hours, you're gonna double your sales. So that would be number two, be willing to do the hard work. And number three, be a student of the game. Uh, outstudy your competition. Be smarter than they are by learning from anyone that you can. Uh, one of the things that's always driven me is I'm, you know, perpetually curious uh, about almost everything except ballet. I have no interest in ballet. <laughs> Nothing against ballet thing. if you're a ballet dancer. I actually dated a ballet dancer in college. It was beautiful, but... She, she didn't like me enough to get me interested in ballet. So, <laughs> you know, be really curious and don't just be curious about the crazy crap on YouTube. Be curious about the stuff that informs your business. You know, you can watch Dancing Cats on YouTube, but I guarantee you that won't be as instructive as watching a video on how to use your social media to generate leads. Do stuff for fun and then do stuff for, for information for your business, but don't confuse the two. I think that's powerful. You dropped, you know, three really good ones. And Startup Nation, listen to what Mark is saying right now. And I, I really like what you just touched on there, Mark, at the very end. Uh, you know, so many times we waste so much of our day and then we complain that we don't have enough time to achieve the things we want in life or to hit the revenue goals. And we blame it on an external environment instead of taking responsibility for how we're using our time or how we're misusing our time, right? And instead of watching YouTube with silly cat videos, which are funny, I get it, spend the time really watching content, listening to content, listening to podcasts that help get your mind right, help get you focused, help get that work ethic going, and, and then take action. That's what Mark is dropping right now. Take action, right? What, is, what are the most valuable and profitable actions that you can take in your business today, tomorrow, and the next day. That's why Mark is successful. Mark, thank and by you. By the way, I, I just yeah. got to add one thing. Never confuse activity with accomplishment. You can end the day exhausted because you've been busy, but you might have accomplished nothing. Activity is the anesthesia for the ineffective leader. 
when we aren't sure what we should be doing, we just do a lot of stuff and it, it kind of, it numbs us to the fact that we're really not making progress. So the question is not how busy are you, but what are you accomplishing? What are your goals for the day? There should only be two or three primary things you're trying to do each day. And then measure those things to make sure that you're making progress versus regress. But don't confuse activity with accomplishment. Got it. Love it. All right. So, Mark, I'm going to ask for a five-minute, no more, five-minute story. Um, we all love to listen to mega millionaires and billionaires about how they built their businesses, why they're so successful. But 90% of us are struggling to make the first 100K, right? So, take us back to when you started your company. Focus on year one only, okay? Year yep. one. Uh, paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story in five minutes. Okay, well, I've been in sales and marketing, decided I wanted to speak full time, had a contract with a public seminar company. They didn't pay very much each day, but if I was good, they'd give me as many days as I wanted. So I used the formula I talked about early. I'm making a little bit. That means I'm going to have to do it a whole hell of a lot. And uh, I got busy. And, uh, I, you know, Nietzsche, we always quote Nietzsche, who said, you know, that which doesn't kill us only makes us stronger. Well, it also will make you better if you learn from it. So because of this kind of rabid activity on the road, uh, I was able to, in my first year as a contract speaker, make more money than I made in corporate America, which this is a long time ago, so I'm not bragging, but I, I felt good about the fact that I didn't have this big slump where I went from doing well to doing okay. Um, the, the thing that I always wanted to focus on was product over marketing. Now, you can either be really good at what you do, really good at selling what you do, or both. I would recommend the latter, but if I had to choose between being really good and really good at marketing, be really good at what you do. The world may not beat a, door, a path to your door, but they'll notice, and referral and word of mouth will, will kick in. So I was focused on my craft. I just really, really, really wanted to be good at what I did. The abysmal failure that began <laughs> 30 plus years ago that follows me to this day is I was not good at uh, maintaining a database of the people that I met. Back, back then, you know, we mm. didn't even have FileMaker Pro. Uh, but the reality is, is the lifeblood of your business are the people you meet, the customers that buy from you and the prospects that could have bought from you but didn't. So the one thing, whenever I'm asked, what's the one thing you would have done differently in your business? I would have been the king of, uh, of uh, customer uh, relationship management even when we just called it a database or a mailing list or an email list. And yes, I do have a, a good sized email list today, but it would be much bigger if I hadn't kind of sloughed by, sloughed, slouched, whatever I just made Let's up. Let's go with it. Sloughed. I, I, <laughs> no uh, defense, uh, no, no uh, pun intended to sloughs. But anyhow, yeah. I did not do a good job of uh, creating that, uh, that database. That's the one thing I would have done differently. But it all began with, you know, the clarity of, I want to be a speaker, I want to be on stage, I want to be so good people ask me to speak again. I want to make a lot of money doing it, but, but I never thought about money until I looked backwards. I was having so much fun doing what I was doing, mm. and I was single at the time, and my expenses were low. I was fortunate in that regard, that all I was really concerned about is, hey, can I make money and have fun? The operative word being have fun. And then a little later, I started to take my dad's advice to heart and looked more closely at, you know, what are the principles that are going to allow me to do this long term? Powerful stuff there, you know, having fun in what you do and really getting good at it, you know, do things with excellence and 
I, I like the way you, uh, you broke it down, Mark, right? It's like you said, do things with excellence, get good at it, right? Become so good they, they can't help but notice, right? To quote right. another author. Yeah. Um, or get so good at selling yourself, but it's really difficult sometimes to do both. And, and I think if you focus, like you said, on getting so good at what you do, other people will market you. Other people will become your sales force and you don't have to get great at selling you. You just have to get great at visibility, right? And so that people can see what it is that you're doing. Would you agree or challenge that? No, that's, that's exactly where I'm saying that, you know, the idea is to be great at your craft or have a fabulous product and market it well. But if you have limited time, get good at what you do first, because if you're good at marketing and then you disappoint the people who buy you or your yes. product, that creates a negative momentum. I mean, that slows down the flywheel of your progress. The, the, the thing that I would do a little differently is I, I had so much fun on stage that it wasn't until much later that I really got serious about marketing. And that's the other thing I tell people, no matter how full your calendar is, no matter how much revenue you've got on the books, you can never stop marketing because if you do, eventually it will catch up to you. But first, get good at what you do. Second, develop good marketing skills, combine the two, and, and that'll keep you going in most businesses for a very long time. Pretty awesome. And Mark, what would you consider to be your superpower? The one thing that you're the best in the world at, nobody else can touch you. What is your superpower in your life, in your business? Oh, I, you know, I, I don't claim to be best in the world at anything because I, there's too many people that are good at too many things in the world, but I would say probably uh, one of my greatest skills is the ability to make connections. You know, it allows me to tailor my material and understand my clients. It allows me to run across an idea or a story and, and see a nugget of gold in it that I can use to teach or help others. Uh, so I would say that ability to make connections, which is at some level kind of a, a basic skill of creativity, is something that I have either developed or was genetically gifted with and then developed over time. Got it. You know, you're mentioning um, something that hit me personally as you were speaking earlier is really connecting with who is, what do I do? Uh, who do who's who do I do it for for right? So who's willing to pay me for this? And then what's the benefit to them? And I think so many times, and I'm guilty of this myself, right? Even with this podcast, like thinking, what is the benefit in this interview right now with Mark to my audience, to Startup Nation as they're listening, and and not so much, oh, I'm enjoying you know this conversation with Mark. Mark's enjoying this conversation with Joseph, but. How's it benefiting the listener, your audience? How's it benefiting your customer? And I think that's really a powerful message for, uh, you know, Startup Nation really to take home with them right now is what is it that you're doing in your business? How does it benefit uh, your client, your customer, and focus on making that better and better and better? What well, and I'll, you, throw in, I'll, I'll throw in one, one final idea, and that is what is it that you do differently in your business that is valued by your customer? that if they stopped doing business with you, they would notice that what you used to do was gone and they'd return. I call that the piano effect. And I learned that from, from Nordstrom. You know, Nordstrom was yes. the most uh, prominent store that would have the tuxedoed piano player in the lobby. And it, it didn't make their business successful 
per se, all of the other things made it successful, but it made their business unique or distinctive. And the problem that entrepreneurs get is they sometimes confuse different with weird. If it's different, but it's not valued by your customer, it's just weird. It's when it's different and the customer values it. Like my favorite restaurant here uh, near where I live is called White Chocolate Grill. And halfway through your Manhattan or Martini, they bring another chilled glass and they transfer the drink into the second chilled glass so the drink stays cold for the whole time. Now, that takes three or four seconds. I've never seen it at any other restaurant that I've been to anywhere in the world. And yet it's both valued, it's different, but it's valued. And so that, what is the piano? What is the chilled glass in your business that will put you above all the other competitors so that if somebody chooses somebody else, they'll go, you know what? I'm not getting a chilled glass. I got to go back to white chocolate grill. Wow. Love that. That's making me think about it, right? So I'm here in Tampa, Florida, and we have a world famous restaurant called Burns Steakhouse. So for all you wine connoisseurs out there, largest uh, private wine collection in the world, uh, right here at Burns Steakhouse. And one thing they do that is that piano effect is they give you the tour of their entire facility while you're here, right? So at, right after dinner, you have your dinner, then they schedule the tour for all their guests. And they give you the tour of the entire kitchen, the operation. They have over 200 employees working at one time. And you walk back into this kitchen and see this mega operation of just 200 people just going around, going around, doing the process. They explain it. They give you the behind the scenes, you know, effect, right, with your dinner. Then they take you down to the wine cellar and they show you the private collection. And they show you the bottles that are $30,000 plus. Everyone goes, ooh, ah. And I'll tell you, it's memorable. And then when you're done, they go up to take you to the dessert room. And the dessert room is epic. And the desserts are phenomenal. So that tour, that little private tour that takes extra time for them to do is the piano effect. People yep. come back over and over and over again, tell their friends about it. You need to come. Make sure you do the tour. Make sure you go to the dessert room. So Mark, I love that. So Startup Nation, what is that piano effect in your business? Is it missing right now? If it is, what is it? Find it, discover it. Mark, really quickly, uh, two minutes. What was the biggest mistake, failure, or setback that you made in your first year in business? Well, I, I mean, as I, as I recall, one of the things I became so obsessed with uh, work that for a period of time, I probably wasn't uh, the healthiest guy. I wasn't ill. I, I didn't get sick, but it certainly wasn't working out. I was probably uh, eating and drinking too much. And so, you know, I always say that uh, if, if you don't have your health, nothing else works as well. So that's got to be a priority to take care of yourself, no matter how hard you're working. Uh, because I was single, luckily, I didn't blow up any relationships, but I would say that I probably would have, you know, if I had been mm. married or uh, if I had been in a, in, in a committed relationship, because very often, you know, entrepreneurs become so obsessed with the business that it's at the expense of their relationships. Uh, and probably the third thing was, um, I'm trying to come up with a third thing. I'm sure I did a lot of stupid stuff. I still do. To. at 59. Yeah. I still look, look at yesterday and go, Oh man, what was that about? Um, <laughs> I think we all do that. Mark, what was the biggest fear holding you back from making that first 100,000? Yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest. I, there's a lot of stuff I've, I've struggled with in terms of fears, but uh, my backup plan, when I started speaking full time, I'm a scuba diver. And I thought, you know what, if this doesn't work, if this just goes to hell in a handbag, I'm going to move to Cozumel, Mexico. 
I'm going to live on the beach. I'm going to be a dive master. I'm going to take out two or three dive groups a day. I'm going to meet single women every day of my life. And I'm going to eat as many shrimp and drink as much beer as cheaply as I humanly can. And that was my fallback position. So if you have a fallback position that's appealing, then you don't have to go forward with this sense of, you know, my life is over, I'm ruined, my reputation is in the tank. So I didn't have that. My, my greater fears kicked in as my business grew. And I think at some point, an entrepreneur wonders if they can keep it up. You know, they wonder if, mm. you know, I, I mean, I think probably my business grew every year for the first 20, let's see, at least 21 years. Wow. And so then you get into this kind of mindset where you stop playing to win and you start playing not to lose. And by the way, you know, life's cyclical. Everything's cyclical. Business is cyclical. Uh, cyclical. Or cyclical. cyclical, depending yeah. on how you look at it. Uh, but the point is, is don't, don't let a, a temporary setback uh, demoralize you and, and don't be afraid. You don't, you don't accomplish much being afraid. You simply go, what can I do that will stack the odds in my favor, realizing that fate does inter intervene periodically, but if you keep doing what you should be doing, then fate won't, it won't be able to set you back very much. Fantastic. Now, Mark, you're dropping a lot of business advice on, you know, us as we're listening right now. What is the best business advice you've ever received? Well, you know, um, somebody told me when I was in high school, he was a senator, state senator from Ohio. He said, uh, whenever you give a speech, remember people want to be entertained, you know, and, uh, that doesn't mean they don't want to be educated too, but they don't want to be just educated. You know, education and entertainment are two things that have driven my entire speaking career. And so I would say one of the best bits of advice uh, was from a, a, a legislature in Ohio who told me that whenever you speak, remember that people always want to be entertained. Startup Nation, as you're serving your customer, make sure you're entertaining them as well and make it memorable. Mark, uh, share one of your daily habits that helped you to get to where you are today. Well, I work out uh, usually six days a week. Uh, if I can't do a really good workout, I believe a little is better than nothing. Take one day uh, a week for recovery, uh, which I never used to do. So I would say some form of physical activity. It doesn't mean you lift heavy weights or run 10 miles, but making sure that you're uh, keeping your, uh, your cardiovascular in shape and that uh, you're, you're moving around, I think, is a good way to energize yourself for your business and for the rest of your life. I agree completely. What's your favorite website, app, or digital resource right now and why? Uh, one of my favorite websites is Farnham Street, which is uh, .com, which is a, uh, a blog and a site for uh, critical thinking and intellectual development. I highly recommend Farnham Street. Dot com And one of my favorite uh, apps of all time is unroll.me. It's allowed me and, and the people I've recommended it to, to get my junk mail and my email under control. It's a fabulous app. It's free. Unroll.me. I think I'm going to check that out right after because my inbox, brother, so many unread messages, it's unacceptable. Um, what is the one thing that you want the world to know about being successful in business? Well, it's kind of a paraphrase of something my friend John Maxwell said, and it is uh, the real oh, test of success is not how you feel about your success, but how the people that you care most for feel about your success, whether that's your, your spouse or your kids or your friends or your community, that uh, certainly uh, success is an individual choice, you know, that we determine what's important to us. 
But if we have others that are important to us, then how they view our success should be important to us as well. Mm, got it. All right. So Mark, this is my favorite part of the show. This is a uh, welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready? All right. All right. What is your favorite sound? Music. What's your least favorite sound? Argument. Got it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A rock star. <laughs> Love it. What are you most afraid of? Uh, wasting my, my time. Mm. What did you spend way too much time wasting doing the first year in your business? Uh, pass. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? That they will pretend to be whom they're not in an effort to uh, solicit my loyalty and support. Mm, I get that one. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? To do a better job in maintaining my, my database of contacts. Yeah, for sure. What is a new habit you want to form? I think a new habit I want to form, well, I've, I'm forming it right now. I, I'm, I've given up sugar and uh, that's, that's a process more than an overnight change. Mm -hmm. so that's a habit I'm working on. That's definitely a habit. What's a bad habit you want to break? A bad habit I want to break would be being too critical too quickly. Mm -hmm. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Mark. Uh, centered peaceful, and faithful. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Intense, uh, um, frantic, and excited. Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Uh, it says, because while alive, he loved, because he loved, he led. Uh, that's kind of a variation as I've thought about my tombstone. I think it's about Irenaeus's uh, comment that the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive, and to be alive, you love, and if you love, you want to lead. I get that, big time. And last question, Mark. If you could come back to life after you died, and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Love each other deeply. Boom. Mark, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? That's easy. MarkSanborn.com. M-A-R-K-S-A-N-B-O-R-N.com. We'll take you to all my social media. We'll uh, connect you with uh, all of the other websites that we operate and lots of free resources to help you be a better leader and a better business person. Very cool. And Mark, are there any upcoming books that you want to uh, promote? I'd like you to take uh, maybe 30 seconds, tell us uh, about your books and what benefit um, our listeners in Startup Nation would get by buying and reading your book. Well, my current book, most recent book, it's been out a couple going on three months, is The Potential Principle, How to Narrow the Gap Between How Good You Are and How Good You Could Be. I recommend it because it's the distillation of 30 years about how the Peak performers and top achievers keep getting better even though they're already among the best. And the benefit is no matter how good you are, it will show you both a, a map and a process for getting a little bit better every day. And you can check that out at potentialprinciple.com. 
Fantastic. That's potentialprinciple.com. Again, Startup Nation, we are speaking with Mark Sanborn, who is a professional speaker and entrepreneur for the past 25 to 30 years. Don't mean to date you, Mark, but you're a rock star. Okay. Uh, you're adding a tremendous value in the world. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. Love what you're doing. Thank you for being on the show. And I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Joseph, thank you as well. All the best. Peace. Startup Nation, want to grow your business faster than you ever imagined? Head over to first100k.com and for more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day. Peace.